So, Brandon, you know, we start off every episode with a question or a test for you. So I have two for you. First question. What's more dangerous than a shark, a bear? And we'll say the last one is a wolf. What's more dangerous than those three things? A lawnmower. <laughs> what? You're, you're, a lawnmower has killed more people than any of those three things. <laughs> At least I, th- I believe this year alone. <laughs> I know coconuts have a higher kill rate than sharks. I didn't know the other ones. Oh, that's what the last one was. It was, um, I think it was a shark. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. fucking lawnmowers are more dangerous than those things. That's fucking wild. I don't doubt that though. And here's the second one. This is this is a, a simple yes or no question. And because you know I love throwing a little metal gear every now and then. Hit me. All right. What cheat code in Metal Gear? Cheat I'm not gonna say cheat code. What cheat item in Metal Gear is canon? The chicken hat. I'm sorry, it is not the chicken hat, but you are close. What is it? It is the infinite bullets bandana that Snake wears in uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. Really? Yeah, so the bandana, so if you ever played Metal Gear and you unlock the infinite ammo bandana, it is canon. It is 100% real in that universe that anytime he wears it, he does not run out of bullets. He mentions it in Metal Gear Solid 2 when he's talking to Riot and he points at the bandana Saying that he's not going to run out of bullets. So it is canon. <laughs> That's fucking funny. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back. Coming New, off of the off the pre-show. The pre-show. I, I feel like the pre-show was filled with so much love. And I think, I think we hit it. I think we nailed it like thunder. Would you say that we received thunderous applause? I, I think... I think once people hear the episode, they're going to gore all over it. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Well, I'm glad we did one that we didn't like to go into one that we do like. (laughs) (laughs) If they make a movie of this, they're going to ruin it. So no, no, (laughs) they already did. Um, So we're picking back where we left off in the halo timeline. So for this episode, you're going to be 
navigating the waters of one Preston Cole with your co-hosts, me, Brandon Wainer, and Kenny Gomez. AKA, they call me the Mighty Thor. <laughs> and on this episode of You, Me, and Lore, we're picking up with our favorite hombre, Preston Cole. Coltrane. Coltrane. Choo-choo. Um, <laughs> he has accidentally, I mean, I can say this for me, I don't know about you, but the more, like, I knew Preston Cole existed in the Halo universe, but I never, like, read into him. And then doing this podcast, I started reading into him, and he's quickly become one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, dude, I'm telling you, the Halo universe uh, anthology novel is really good. Like, it, it really fleshes out a lot of things. It's crazy, man. Um, the more I read it, though, the more I realize that if the, uh, if the Calder adventure was a dog whistle, I'm a gecko. <laughs> go on elaborate um just because cole we'll get into it in his story but uh there are some people in this world who are just uh they hear the call to adventure and they just run to it meanwhile it's like i don't even hear it <laughs> <laughs> that's not true you signed up you signed up for a camaro in a dream that was more of an accident <laughs> i fell into that <laughs> I don't you know, know how we got here. <laughs> you know how multimillionaire kids will like fall into massive, uh, massive bank loans and and, uh, and business opportunities. I go fell, on. I fell into gunpowder and dirt. <laughs> so, same, same. My boy was born uh, born to the song "Proud to Be an American." <laughs> That's why. Oh man, we were alive when that song was written. Oh, yo, you know what's funny? When we were watching um, the movie yesterday, <laughs> the fucking, it's the 40th anniversary of E.T. in the next couple of weeks. That's, that makes me so sad. Internet I was ex- like, <laughs> go ahead. I was like, we're that old, yo. <laughs> we're so old. We were around when Internet Explorer was made <laughs> and died. Yo, that's the thing about our generation why is it we're the generation where eight things either start and die or things are just dying? Like, for instance, um, maybe not having multiple economic downturns or watching the, the economy completely die every, what, four or five years? Yep. It'd be nice. I'm just saying it happens a lot um, during a certain time <laughs> consistently. <laughs> Very oh, consistently yes. for yes, the last yes. three times. Yes, 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 yes. We'll leave it at that, y'all. <laughs> That's about as close as I can say. I know. I'm like, I, I normally I, I let you go, but I'm like. Even I held back. Yeah, I know. You did good. I'm proud of you. I did, I'm proud of you. But yo, Coltrane. So getting on with Coltrane. So I'm going to do kind of a brief history of Coltrane. Actually, why don't you do it? Because I know I'm taking the ape, the uh, the brunt, t- the, the of, brunt. The, of the story today. Why don't you give a, a brief recap of uh, who Coltrane of, is? Of Preston Cole. Y'all, if y'all remember a a young Preston Cole born in Mark Twain, Missouri on November 3rd of 2470. Yeah, I remember he was born in an honest life. Honest, hard work and living. Worked on the farm with his parents. Uh, Cole was a bit of an outcast. Didn't talk too much. Didn't say too much. 
You could always find him, what, sleeping in class? But it just so happened after a beautiful, beautiful visit from CPS just to make sure that poor Cole wasn't being abused but just working that hard farm life, they took a test and they figured out, hold on, this kid might be a genius. And they believed in him so much, they made him take the test a second time. And he passed it, aced it 100% two ways. Um, Also, if you remember in Cole's life, he also wrote a little paper called The Viability of Extended Colonization, where he pretty much said, hey, this whole colonizing shit is not going to work in the long term. (laughs) There's going to be problems. And his teacher dismissed it. So, and I, and also just for anybody who wants like the, the full background for, um, for Cole, um, we covered it in our mega episode of Johnson, Cole, and Halsey. Was that so the three, three hour, hour one? That's the three hour episode. Oh my God. We, yes, yeah. No wonder. Yeah. It's a good thing we're doing a background. Nobody listened yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah. So when we left off with Cole, y'all, he had... He, he reached adulthood. He was like, you know what? I'm ready to go do things. So he enlisted and be, he became a crewman in the, in it, well, in the Navy, in the UNSC Navy. He became a um a non commissioned uh, crewman. But we'll 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 stop right there. So little things to know: Cole is a genius. Um, he ended up being a nobody to a big somebody that impacts the war. And does kind of uh, set humanity at least on a bit of a winning course in their battles to come. And um, well, we kind of went right. a little further than that. We we went oh, all the way to his marriage. We did go. Oh, yeah, man. that's why it was three hours, man. Cole took up like an hour and a half of it. Oh shit! All right, then hold on, y'all. Then let me let me recap mm. that part. So y'all, when um when Coltrane joined the Navy and all that. When he was a kid, well, when he was a, a child going through Navy school, he had a little scandal where he, um, him and a couple gentlemen may have been seeing a certain general's daughter and she became prego in the ego. Um, needless to say, when somebody needed to step up and be the father, it was Cole. Uh, so Cole ended up, he, I believe he, what, he had two children with this woman? Uh, one for sure was his, the other one, one. everybody doubts because even the general was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not his, but uh, I want him to raise it. Cool, man. Yeah, so yeah, I believe he had two sons and a daughter uh, with this woman. Um, if you guys also remember, uh, Cole's uh, claim to fame uh, was against the insurgents. Where he did a little he did a little thing where he uh, pretended to surrender and he blew them to kingdom come. And it was so controversial that the UNSC wanted to court-martial him and put him in a hole somewhere. But because they won and everybody was proud of him of it, they're like, we're just going to give you a desk job. And from there, if you guys remember, he also kind of sort of fell in love with an insurgents captain. And it was the captain that he was chasing for months and weeks on end. And then when Oni was investigating him, he never gave them anything. And that's where he kind of learned she died. That's from what I remember where we left off in that episode. Yeah, that's about right. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> with with Coltrane. So we're gonna pick up from there, and we're gonna. It's this is gonna be kind of a short story, um, because to go through Preston Cole, he would have to be that character that we bring up randomly from time to time. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing that, I'm gonna kind of give this story that gives you an idea of what he's doing behind the scenes, because here in about one or two episodes we're going to be shifting all of our focus entirely to John's story. For the most part. Halsey will make an appearance. Uh, we got to talk about George. We got to talk about all that kind of shit. Yeah, sure. But for the most part, it's going to be based on John. <laughs> so I don't want to have like 20 minute episodes popping up. <laughs> like, here's what Cole did. <laughs> we really want to get to the game. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give you an idea. There are times where we will come back to Cole in a way in about 20 years is the next time Cole does something of importance. Um, so I'm going to give this story and then I'm also going to kind of give a very, very broad foreshadow of everything that's going to come for Cole. Um, so you, you have an idea that he is not going to be having a good time, <laughs> but he's doing good at what he does. <laughs> Uh, references so, for this episode are in its entirety going to be from Halo Evolutions, particularly uh, the impossible life and probable death of Preston Cole. So, and just to clarify for everybody, essentially, if you heard the third episode and when we upload it, I'll, I'll add a little note on where you could hear the actual in-depth history we did for him so if you want to go backtrack to the episode you can but brandon so i'm assuming we're picking up with cole uh from his uh forced retirement aren't we yes well we're gonna get in because he wasn't forced retired yet where we left him ah yes. so we're gonna get into that because it wasn't a forced retirement it was a forced retirement but it wasn't it was one of those we'll get into it it was like when yeah, that ceo yeah, yeah. uh guy had to step uh ci ceo guy the ceo of disney uh had to step down <laughs> from being the CEO when he knew he wasn't going to be the CAO any longer. But he, uh, yes. you know what I mean? It was one of those kind of things, Well, we'll get into it. Um, so we're going to start with he, this is just after his marriage to the insurrections captain came into light and everybody realized that she was an insurrectionist. We're going to move on into as soon as that happened, believe it or not, Cole got promoted. Like, as soon as it came out in the light of day, they promoted the fuck out of Cole to Rear Admiral. That, you know that that sounds familiar. I feel like we did leave off on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I was just like, oh, man, you keep going. My notes don't start. <laughs> um, but they promoted him to Rear Admiral simply so they could take him off of the front lines and give him a desk job. And when they gave him that desk job, um, it was basically just because... They couldn't hold, because as we know about Preston Cole, he's a lot of things, but he is not like an idiot and he's not feeding the enemy information. We know that for sure. And that's why Oni couldn't get anything on him. So they put him as a rear admiral and gave him a desk job. So that way they could kind of keep tabs on him and make sure that he, you know, (laughs) he's a dangerous man. So you can't just have that wandering around. The best place for him would be where you could see him all the time. Now, while he was on that desk job, he did often put in for reassignment to uh, back to space, back to the quote unquote 
Frontier. And uh, every time he requested it, every single one of them got denied, like almost instantaneously. Like as soon as he requested something, they denied it. He also proposed new policies and shit for the UNSC to make them more effective against the, uh, the insurrectionists, because obviously he is the guy who would know how to beat them. <laughs> like, and the UNSC just totally ignored all of his reports and all of his proposed policies. Like he literally just showed up to work Um had great ideas that would have benefited humanity, but because of his past, Oni just disregarded anything that he could possibly do. This lasted for about eight months. After eight months. Oh, what? Only eight months. (laughs) Only Only eight months of this. Um, Essentially what happened was the UNSC, well, Oni through the UNSC came to Cole and were like, Hey, do you want an early retirement? And he was like, no, I'm good. And they're like, we'll promote you to vice admiral. (laughs) He was like, you know what? You don't let me do shit anyway. I might as well. So he did. He had an early retirement. Now I would, I would kill for an early retirement and dog, right? (laughs) A promotion beforehand too. Like what? That pay. Damn. Also security looks good. Also, what is up with like fictional America? Um, why is it when the people with the good ideas, they always get seem to be put on ice? You know, it's, I don't know. Um, because part of me also gets it like, cause I don't doubt that it would have happened <laughs> like today. <laughs> um, I just want to look at something real quick. Uh, do do. Anyway, I'll find it another time. I was going to pull up because, like, that pay for retirement per month is fucking ext- it's extravagant. <laughs> Here, you 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 keep going. I'll pull up the vice admiral's retirement pay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so going through all that. So now, bearing in mind that Cole is still very much a prominent public figure, right? Because he was the one who kind of turned the tides against the insurrection movement, and his actions were very publicized in how it became. So Cole is kind of regarded, depending on who you ask, as either a war hero or supervillain to a plot. It depends on who you ask and like what their own bias is. But he is very much, either way you cut it, still one of the like prominent figures when it comes to the military. So, with that being said, the news is always on his ass. He always has the paparazzos. Speaking of asses and cutting in, that's me. So, after 20 years of military service, a service member is eligible to collect a monthly pension, which is 50% of the final salary. For yes. Rear Admiral. So, and... Well, I know that. I just need a Rear Admiral's pay chart. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you asked that because I do also have that pulled up. <laughs> Wait, that's the one I need. <laughs> so, y'all, for a... Uh, <clears throat> so, this is, uh, I believe, for... I'm, I'm not so... I'm, I don't know Navy ranks too well. So, this is for an 08 Rear Admiral in the Navy as of 2022. Starting pay. For rear admiral is eleven thousand six hundred and thirty-five dollars and fifty cents a month, which equates to a hundred and thirty-nine thousand six hundred and twenty-six dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I will say this. If you are somehow managed to be a rear admiral for over 34 years, you are entitled to over $200,000 a year. So imagine that, dude. After you retire, you're getting $100,000 a year just dude, for existing. <laughs> I always tell everybody. that. The, I mean, you've seen it when I was active duty. Like, we get paid, <laughs> like, a lot. I don't know what everybody complains about, um, especially yeah. on the officer side. Now, the thing to remember for those of you who aren't military lingo, lingo or at least American military um, on our on our pod, all the branches of the military get paid the same. Army, Navy, Marine, all of them get paid the same. That's why when you ever you look at pay scales of it, they're on three different scales. There's the E, W, and O scale. E is enlisted, W is warrant, and then O is officer. O is officer. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but so the names may change. You know, what we call, you know, a private or a sergeant in the Army may be different in the Marines, but the pay scale always remains. So oftentimes, like, we're referred to by our pay grade and not as our rank. Man, I, I tell you like this. Um, <laughs> the amount of money they make, literally, that's all I need to survive. I don't even need the whole paycheck. I just need just one month would mm-hmm. carry me, like, three, four months. And and that's not even me living frugally. <laughs> Oh, I dude, could ball out. Officers in the military get paid an exorbitant amount. But I digress. That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Boy, if this unemployment don't work out. <laughs> Rear Admiral Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. Um, so... Moving back to Cole. So Cole is constantly being followed by the paparazzi. And what that means is he kind of became like an eighties actor today where they pop up on the news for some weird thing. So he'd pop up in like highlights like that. So every time, like he had several marriages and several divorces and the way they're categorized by like the person writing a report about Cole is um, Cole star dimmed in the public eye, resurfacing for his highly publicized marriages to much younger women, each of which ended in even more spectacularly publicized divorces. <laughs> so Cole just stayed getting it, is what I'm getting from this. Yo, given the life my man had, if my man just wants to, like, bang floozies, let him. Mm-hmm. Let him. Nobody, nobody expected him to make something out of his life. No, so, like, <laughs> it's crazy that, <laughs> but um, Cole did find um, comfort not only in younger women, but also booze, because he's my fucking spirit animal, and <laughs> his liver failed from cirrhosis on May 11th, 2025. That becomes uh. important, because he went in, and they were able to flash clone him a liver, but then they kind of just like started replacing a lot of other parts of Cole <laughs> that were kind of fucked up. You know, it, it makes you wonder what's what's the what's that damn saying with um Odysseus's ship that if you take all the wood and replace it and you use the old wood and build another ship, is it the same ship? I don't know. Because it was just internal shit they fixed on him. 
kind of refurbished him, I should say. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't replace him. They just refurbished him. They redid his liver, um, some other shit with his endocrine system. Like, it's kind of like just did an oil change, I guess. So wait, are you saying that the the, the UNSC VA is is the is the VA we've been looking for? Yes, yes, the future VA, space VA, much better than current VA. Um, God have mercy on us. <laughs> like I would, I would, I, there, I would do unspeakable acts <laughs> to to get the VA to this level. Oh um, man, it's like peacemaker. I will kill every man, woman, and child to get it. <laughs> I will get there. So. Cole's kind of just, you know, living his best life, as we can tell. Now, the problem ensues, and why we're telling the story is because you remember a few episodes back, we talked about the Battle of Harvest. And then a scout hey, ship I- went up to Harvest to figure out what the fuck happened at Harvest. What were this, you guys saying? This randomly popped in my head. I just realized, yo, Cole's a Catholic. <laughs> I don't think this man has ever wore a condom in his like whole career. Probably not. That's it. That's all I had. Cole don't believe in oh. pulling out. No. <laughs> so oh man, it. that's gonna be the theme throughout his military career when he <laughs> but <laughs> I'll never pull out. We're that's get... the... Oh god. That actually kind of sums him up. Like, dude commits. <laughs> like, I'll give that to Cole. When he commits, like if he commits to drinking, he's a drunk now. Like, if he commits to a woman, he's married now. <laughs> like, like he is very committed to what he does. And everything that's actually kind of a cool thing. I didn't even realize it until you said it jokingly. <laughs> like <laughs> homeboy commits. Thank you. My my genius <laughs> even frightens me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um so one if you remember we had that big space battle where a fleet went out to go check on what the fuck happened to harvest and why its communication ceased and then only one ship made it back well this put oni and the unsc in kind of a bit of a bind because now there's an alien threat looming and not even a battle fleet can take it out they think that just maybe there's one dude <laughs> who's just just smart enough <laughs> to do it. That'd be Preston Cole. My man got sna- he got the snake Pliskin <laughs> treatment. Hey man, we really need you. <laughs> now, Homeboy's retired. So he- it's not like they can just order him to go do shit, right? So they send two officers down to where he's living. <laughs> and they basically are assigned to con Cole back into military service is the best way I can describe it. Like they are literally Oni was like, whatever he wants, just get him back in. So they go and knock on Cole's door and Cole answers wearing a fucking bathrobe and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> See, y'all, I'm still, the man gives no fucks, you know, you know, they all saw his, they saw his willy. <laughs> he, um, his hair is all gray and shit. Cause he's old now, you know, He's old, so he's got gray hair. He's not shaven. He doesn't have a beard, but he's very unshaven. He looks very unkempt, wearing nothing but a back robe. There's empty fucking black vodka bottles <laughs> laying all over the goddamn place. <laughs> and the, the chick or dude, because it's not emphasized here. So I'm going to refer to it as a chick because it's, it's, it's funnier hey. that way. 
Hey, Coltrane don't matter what tunnel he going in, baby. <laughs> but this chick shows up and was like, hey, um, we need to talk to you. And Cole's like, yeah, sure, come on in. And they go on in. And essentially what they do is instead of trying to do the thing where they con him into it, they decide the best way to do it is they just pull up a data pad and they hand it over to Cole. And on that data data pad, a video starts to play and it's of the ship that survived harvest. So Cole is watching a very secret document (laughs) that's like basically a ship shooting at a fucking covenant force doing absolutely nothing and then watching an entire fleet get obliterated and he is just watching it and while that's happening he makes absolutely no facial expressions through any of it he's like me when i watch the uh the cartel videos on live leaks just no emotion (laughs) no emotion just standing there now while this is happening and while he's doing that the officer begins to think to himself of why did they pick Cole? And the answer that he comes up with in his head is in hindsight, it was a masterful choice because Preston Cole was not only a hero, but he was a tactical genius. That's the only reason he could come up with because everything else tells him <laughs> this is not the guy for the job. The other you know, thing. Uh, oh yeah. Hear, hear, hear me out. This little, uh, Gomez commentary. So I just realized. So essentially, Preston Cole is a, is essentially Halo's version of Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing he considers is that Cole is kind of a dark figure, and what he means by that is Cole is a tactical genius. Yes, sure, but he doesn't care how many pawns he has to sacrifice to win the game. So the one thing, uh, while that's all happening, Cole then replays the data pad. Doesn't say shit, still no facial reactions, just fucking rewinds it all the way to the beginning and rewatches it. While he's rewatching it, the, uh, the officer then starts to look around a little bit more, and he sees that Cole may not be exactly what he's looking at. And what I mean by that is, yeah, sure, he's got vodka bottles laying all over. Yeah, he's wearing just a bathrobe and looks like he hasn't done any kind of personal maintenance in a month. But surrounded all over the place, there are books from like Grant, Padden, Xerxes. Um, there's mathematical monographs about Slipstream just written randomly around. <laughs> like, and then several books um, about like singularities and other mathematical esoterica, like just everywhere. When the video plays, Preston Cole pours himself a drink. He offers one to Damos, who's the other officer, and one to the person writing the report. And they take the drinks. And Cole looks at him and says, three divorces, a cloned liver, two heart attacks, not much left of me, boys. Like anyone can help with this slice of Armageddon. But okay, I'm in. (laughs) And that's it. He then puts his drink down that he hasn't, even taking a sip out of he just poured it and then sat it down after he said that (laughs) and then he says i think you need me as much as i need this and then he just fucks off to another part of the house the two other officers are kind of like we don't know what to do here we didn't think we'd get this far (laughs) we thought this was going to be a whole song and dance (laughs) 
they planned the whole week, a whole week of like yeah. events and excursions. So, so like they don't want to say or do anything. You know what I mean? So they're just kind of sitting silently, not to startle. Cole. It's like when a guy's about to get laid and he's like, "What? This is happening." So Cole then like comes out of the bedroom, and this motherfucker looks different. Like he's clean shaven, his hair's combed and then kind of slicked back. He's also in his military uniform, <laughs> like perfectly right. Like, like he was just ready to go to work for the day. Um, and then because the other, the two officers that were there to recruit him were so like, John blown. <laughs> yeah. <I guess. laughs> they had, they just like out of panic saluted him. <laughs> like Just panicked. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, you went technically. Is doesn't he outrank them technically? <laughs> oh yeah, by a lot. Yeah, so like yeah. <laughs> but here's the other thing. Um, the only time you salute officers indoors is if you're reporting. So like they panicked to the point they forgot they were inside. <laughs> like they already did the, they, the hard part was over. <laughs> <laughs> like um, now, what, he kind of like disregards their salute, and he says. He immediately starts. I shouldn't say he says because he doesn't say it. He me like without skipping a beat starts Im- immediately ordering the two officers around, <laughs> like instantaneously. Like you work for me now. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, like my yeah. man never left. It's essentially. I'm pretty sure like what they saw in the house was like super dirty and shit because that's where he keeps. Like his hose. And then like the other side of the house is like pristine. He probably has mm-hmm. like his uniforms pressed and ready shit. To ready go. to just, go. Just I don't know, man. But yeah, it's just that's the that's the cool thing about Cole is just like is he's so unfucking predictable. <laughs> um the first thing he does is he uh, asks what capital ships are available to the UNSC, starts rattling off exactly specific staff that he wants. <laughs> like not asking. Telling them, like, these are the specific staff types I want. These are the different AIs I'm going to need. And then I need all intelligence reports, including the ones Oni isn't going to send me. (laughs) Homeboy knows for a beat that, yes, Oni just sent him a video of, like, the Covenant ship doing all these crazy things. But he knows Oni (laughs) still has shit that they don't think he needs to know. Which they do, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not Oni. They never lie. What are you talking about? So we then fast forward a bit. Nothing else is written between that moment of the household. We then fast forward and we're in the ship. The capital ship that Preston Cole is going to lead the fleet in against this covenant ship. Because here's what's going to happen. Oni needs to destroy this ship. Because soon, word is going to get out that, you know, there's aliens and shit. And they can't look like pussies. You know what I mean? Like, you can't come back from we lost an entire planet. But you can at least soften the blow with, but at least we killed the guys who did it. So this leads to the mission where Cole is going to lead a fleet against a single covenant ship. And we're going to get into it. So it starts with Cole on the bridge and he's digesting all the data from the Heracles, which the Heracles is the ship that got away. 
Cole's biggest concern is the plasma weapons because one, he doesn't exactly know what they do. He has an idea watching the footage. However, since Cole doesn't, since humanity doesn't have that technology, he's unsure how to kind of maneuver with it. The other thing he's, uh, he's worried about is on the video, the two ships that were with the Heracles, the Arabia and the Vostok, they fired Mac guns at the ship and nothing happened. Now he doesn't know about nukes because they didn't have a chance to launch nukes at it. Because remember those two ships were fucking obliterated almost as shoot. Like they fired around and they were just destroyed immediately from the enemy ship. And then the Heracles like limped away. So yeah. (laughs) Sorry. So he doesn't know quite how much like trouble he's in, but he does do one formal assessment. And his formal assessment is one word. Trouble. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's his assessment. You know, there's, there's something I do want to kind of point out about Preston Cole. Is how dangerous he is. To like to know when you're outgunned, when you're outmatched and all these things and be like, oh, I can still win it. That is horrifying. Well, it gets better. Because then on the next page, he writes, and I'm going to quote it because it's beautiful and there's no way that I can do it just if, if, if I just do an analogy of it. So the quote is, I see the situation as if we are a horde of homo Neanderthals rushing towards a medieval castle. We will throw our sticks and stones against their unassailable fortifications and they will rain hot death upon us with crossbow and boiling oil. Will that analogy hold? Can I find a way to tunnel under those walls? get inside and slaughter the enemy at close quarters. I have to. This first encounter with the aliens is a test for them and us. So far, we have failed that test. We have to show them that we cannot be so easily defeated. We have to win no matter the cost. The super heavy cruiser they have given me, Everest, is a supremely fine ship, although I already see a dozen modifications I wish to make to her. The crew is battle-tested and razor-sharp. They believe in me. God, I can see it in their eyes. They believe that the Admiral Cole is leading them into victory. Maybe, but regardless, the truth of the matter is I will also be leading them straight into hell. Bruh. Bruh. Fucking chills. Bruh. (laughs) Uh, You see why I had to quote it? (laughs) That is his assessment of the current situation. And it's fucking mind-blowing where he's like, there is no other option. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we are heavily outclassed, outmatched in every way, but we're going to win simply because we fucking have to. Like, it's so... (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think it's the fact that he... he It kind of relates to uh, Mendez and John with the case of, like, if you're going to send people to your death, make sure it's worth it. And it's the fact of he's like, where we're going, people aren't coming out, but I'm going to make damn well sure that your sacrifice is going to be worth it because boy, he's about mm-hmm. to kill a lot of people. So as I'm going to tell this story, cause I'm, I'm going to give it kind of, they did really well the way that they, they, they did this because they kind of gave the step-by-step maneuvering of the ships, as well as like the different volleys, um, all sorts of different things. So I'm going to kind of 
twisted a little bit so that way it is our own thing. But just if this feels kind of machinish, it's because I am taking the more or less the bullet points of the battle as they are given to me, and I'm giving them in a more story structure. So I apologize in advance for that. Also, things to remember, the battle group that Preston Cole is in charge of is Battle Group X-Ray. The specific ship that he is in is the Everest, and he has two adjutant commanders below him. And there are a total of 39 other vessels, including the Everest, that are going to the battle at harvest. That is the largest fleet that had ever been assembled at this point. Just remember, a battle fleet prior to this was like three ships. <laughs> so this is a lot. This is a lot. Um, and we're going to see how that goes. All right. So. We'll do the ESPN. The we're gonna do, we'll do it's essentially going to be a play play by play. <laughs> so what happens is. Battle Group X-Ray first begins to approach Harvest. As they're approaching Harvest, Commander Cole then starts pinging different positions on the bridge, looking for the one specific ship. When he finds the ship, he kind of gets upset that it's just one ship. Um, not upset in the fact that he's going into fame and glory, more upset at the frailty of man, that this one ship has destroyed an entire planet, as well as destroyed an entire battle group. Hold on, wait, this man just literally looked at, at the Predator, the hologram of a Predator ship, and was like, Earth some bitches, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, y'all are some bitches. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> like, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, It's kind of like, man, you know when you're first playing Elden Ring and you get through the fucking tutorial just fine, and then you get outside, and then immediately you get jacked up by that dude on a horse and you're like what the fuck <laughs> like one asshole on a horse did this to me yeah but the only difference is cole hasn't had his cole hasn't danced with the dude on the horse just yet <laughs> just yet but but it's the same yeah view. like oh it's like oh i can take him <laughs> i cannot take no him. <laughs> you can't you cannot take him um so as the battle group begins to um like descend below the planetary blip. Cole then begins plotting a course. Now he does this by hand. So he is hand drawing on this panel of the ship, um, the exact trajectory that he wants the fleet to go through. Meanwhile, the Everest AI, the AI's name being Sekhmet, is like taking these, putting them into action, as well as giving the orders to all the lower ships i.e. all the AIs on them that was a lot of letters I just said in one sentence so he draws this this uh this line and basically Cole wants to slingshot around harvest and then approach the covenant ship at this at its side instead of going head-on directly into it he figures a broad stroke would work better Cole then um hey real quick just to interject just for everybody out there um, Sekhmet, she was the Egyptian goddess. She's um, she's portrayed as a warrior goddess, and she's normally depicted as a lioness. Just little. Yep. And the, and the AI follows suit because it is a woman uh, with the head of. Uh, but I think if you've ever if you ever played um, Smite, just think about Bassett. Mm-hmm. 
Cole then starts kind of analyzing the ship as they begin their approach. And the ship is two kilometers long and one kilometer wide. And they cannot get a reading on its energy levels because their chart doesn't go that high. So just a massive fucking creature filled with piss and vinegar. He orders the entire battle group to three quarters of maximum speed. While he's doing that, he moves his tactical screen. So the uh, so on the battlefield, as he is looking at it, Harvest is only the size of a basketball on this screen. And he is using that as a reference. I'm sorry, not a basketball, the size of a baseball. Wait, time out. My man can eye a planet and just immediately know the fucking circumference? Yeah. As well as like how to maneuver a slingshot into the side while only using three quarters of their own speed. But that way, the slingshot effect from the planet will bring them past full speed. But he still has the maneuverability of three-quarter speed. What fucking movie or game that I cannot think of that they did a slingshot? Or am I thinking Interstellar when they did the slingshot? Interstellar, okay. they did. Okay, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> I I'm, Okay, wait. And I, I do want to... I just want to give y'all a reference. Y'all, a couple episodes ago, we talked about how John could do calculus in less than a second. And this is what augmentations and literally being like groomed for like 10 plus years of your life. You're telling me Joe Schmo over here can look a fucking planet and tell me the actual. You can tell you everything about it. Cole is the only person in the Halo universe. I would say has a shot at being Halsey beating Halsey at chess. Actually, I would he, say he in would. a like just a front to front battle of mentality, I would say Cole might actually be smarter than Hall. Yeah, but he's more cutthroat. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the only difference is Cole is better than Halsey only because he's willing to sacrifice everything to do it. Meanwhile, Halsey still has a shred of morality that she is constantly judging. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm blown away <laughs> by by math just because like everybody wants like you're good at geometry when you drive. You don't really realize oh, it. Oh, it's going to get crazier. Oh. This is nothing. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to get way fucking crazy here in a second. So. Basically, they start their fucking bullshit, right? Um, meanwhile, Segment is translating everything. It should be noted that every time she transmits anything, her eyes flash green and gold. That's just there. And as 40 comets flared in the dark as the group accelerated towards the Covenant vessel parked in, a harv- uh, parked in orbit over Harvest, Cole says, fire at will. There was no emotion in his voice. He stared at the tactical board. Watching and waiting. Hold on, wait. So <laughs> I want to make sure I'm confirming. All right, so the the ships there, they're on their way to do the slingshot, but they're also shooting at the ship while doing the slingshot. Now that's not that's never specified. It could be while they're doing the slingshot, or is immediately following. I believe it to be immediately following. Well, for the sake of of my of, of my black ass, I'm going to say he did it during because I'm like, my man got away with doing a drive-by in space. So, Because yeah, it's one of those things where they started writing it and then they never followed through on that mm. later. So I do not know. So I wish I had that answer for you, but I can't give a definitive lore answer on, on that. Well, the, I can only give what I, what I believe. The official <laughs> you, me, and lore stance is he committed a drive-by in space. Yes. <laughs> um, so bearing in mind, these macrons are molten tuxton alloy. So 40 ships fired all of their mat cannons at the one vessel 
and the alloy impacted the covenant shields, but the energy shields just shimmered and resonated, but not a fucking single gram of that molten tungsten went through that shield and hit the ship. That wasn't the only thing they fired. They also fired hundreds of archer missiles, which you remember those from a previous episode of you, me and lore. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> to the point, it filled the vacuum between the opposing force uh, forces and blanketed the enemy th- uh, ship under fire and thunder, but not a shred of shrapnel scarred the surface of the ship. That really tells you how fucking lucky um, John is. <laughs> yes. That tells you how lucky John is, yo. Because they have, what, one Mac cannon and then it crapped out? Yes. <laughs> hey, I'd only fired once. Legit. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, while after, you know, that volley, two curved lines on the covenant flanks wavered and pulled free uh, pulled free oscillating through space and they enveloped ships on either side of battle group x-ray so basically in a kind of v that went to the center so imagine a v but then the two tips closing in towards the center and that's kind of what they did to battle group x-ray i'm about to stop and you to right plat- there hold on you're fucking telling me not only did my man do a drive by in space he did the fucking emilio estevez flying v from the mighty ducks no, see that was the guns on the Covenant ship. Oh, okay. That. I was like, God yes. damn! I'm like, who's this yes. '80s '90s action hero? No. Um. Now these turned out turned out to be plasma, and the plasma tore through two meters of titanium A armor like a blowtorch through tissue paper. Oh damn! Explosion! Yeah, dude. Explosions <laughs> started coming through everywhere, and they blasted out the aft sections. <laughs> to the point where white hot secondary fusion detonators and the reactors went off and all the reactors went super critical. <laughs> so basically the UNSG ships that were there turned into nothing but just smears of fire and burning dust. <laughs> Ooh. Also for all you uh cool, cool kids out there, the aft sections of the ship. And I believe that's the rear of the ship. Yes. So aft is a direction. So it also, so stern would be the actual point on the ship that is the ass end. And then the aft is more directional to the ass end. It's a whole lot of ass we're talking about. Yes. Ass is very important. Um, Remember that ladies, but that immediately wipes off two ships. Two UNSC's destroyers are just gone. So (laughs) while that's happening, obviously Cole's ship begins to panic, not Cole, but the members of the ship and they are going to stay panicked from now on. So I want you to constantly think of people running around, papers flying everywhere, people fucking yelling random shit, like DEFCON 1 style shit going off. While they're doing it, obviously, <laughs> it's almost kind of annoying, and we're going to see how annoying it is to Cole, but they're yelling things that Cole can obviously discern himself, and it kind of bugs him. Because the first thing they yell is that the nukes have no no effect on the vessel, and then the Sacramento, which is one of the ships, as well as the Lance held high, are gone. They're just obliterated. Before they have time to react, the Covenant ship then fires again. This time, it is a plasma line, and it vaporizes the flesh and bone contained within the Tharses and the Austerlitz 
as well as the Midway. So three more ships of their 40 are gone. We're down to like five ships are just obliterated in a matter of seconds. Tis but a scratch. And it doesn't stop. So it's cool. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> More energy signatures begin to leave the ship, the the uh, the enemy vessel. And the Campo Grande is gets a fucking destroyed. The Virginia Capes gets fucking destroyed. And when that happens, one of the officers screams, sound the retreat. To which Cole looks up from his data pad finally says belay that order and then goes back to looking at the <laughs> to it <laughs> so basically shut the fuck up we in it <laughs> like, my, <laughs> my man somebody just watched seven ships get obliterated and was like we gotta go and cole's like you shut the fuck up and sit down <laughs> Yo, he said we balls deep in it <laughs> Yo. to be fair though by the time if they would have retreated they it would have been certain oh it would have been obliterated it's you know it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. what so that officer needs to be demoted a hundred percent like he needs to be fucking removed from his post Yo, he even asked my man. Yo, you panicked under fire. Yeah, and this goes into further point of uh, maybe this was during the drive-by because then, oh god, <laughs> yeah, I think you might have been right, and this was during their arc around the I'm world. So, I'm, listen, I may be a lot of things, but uh, I think I know a drive-by when I hear a drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, the ships then come, um then get turned back on from coming out of their uh the dark side of harvest and the other like the remaining what are we at now 38 37 well, well ships. if it was five ships that were taken out of 47 seven, oh, seven oh then seven we're at 33 yeah, we're up to seven we're now. like 33 right yeah. now so, so the remaining 33 ships are now like going through the scattered debris <laughs> of the seven and um cole then begins to write down like a whole bunch of shit on his data pad and while he's doing it he's not sitting there you remember how cole's kind of emotionless and cold so he makes a facial expression finally and it's a frown <laughs> so we're off to get started. oh no yeah you know how like how like shitless i would be first you told me i can't retreat and now you're looking like you're having a problem like <laughs> like yo we're like what's the okay there's 33 ships i mean let's what are the odds what are the odds of them getting shot? One out of thirty-three. So then one of the uh, one one of the officers runs up to Cole with a data pad, and he goes damage and casualty reports, and he pushes it towards Cole, and Cole kind of like just pushes it back at him, like get that shit away from me, <laughs> bro. This motherfucker's so childish. <laughs> it was like this is important, and it's not <laughs> now. A big thing to remember is the enemy ship isn't stationary, right? It's going a slow speed because it is going around an orbit of the planet. Because, you know, it has to go around the whole planet in order to beam weapon the whole planet and turn it into a fucking molten core of glass. So Cold then, while coming out of the slingshot, plots a course to where they are going to intercept the enemy ship. Meaning he... Planned, he made a circle motion on the route against the circle motion that the enemy ship was doing and then found the point where those two circles matched and the time and like 
found the speed he would have to go to make those two ships like bump. <laughs> make them touch. Make them touch Boy, everybody who ever played Assassin's Creed <laughs> right now, if you ever played um, Black Flag, you're like, I know this strategy and I know it works. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Cole then nods and then he finally looks up from his panel <laughs> to which the rest of the bridge just turns and looks at him. <laughs> like, is he going to say something? What's he going to do next? And all he says is open the fleet comm channel. <laughs> Bro. I, I E put mom and dad on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I would be shitting bricks on this bridge right now. Like big man. What did you just fly? I'd be like, yo, this senile old fuck is about to get us killed. <laughs> So now that the comp, one of the people responds with open almost instantaneously, like homeboy was ready with that command because it sounded like he was going to call mom and dad. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so then Cole orders, accept the new inputs, accelerate to flank speed, ready another salvo of Mac rounds. And this is where he gets, this is where all his doodles start coming into effect. He goes, segment, we need another Archer missile solution on target. 0.1 seconds after those max, then a second firing solution for a salvo of nuclear detonations. Two set point two seconds after initial impact. Wait, okay. What? Oh, the- wait, hold, hold on. <laughs> hold, I, I wait. And now, y'all, I'm not a genius, and I'm not good with math. Um, time out. So my man wants them to fire Mac rounds. The yes. immediate follow-up after the Mac rounds make contact is to fire the Archer missiles. And then the immediate follow after those Archer, Mitchell, Archer missiles tickle the frigate, <laughs> fire the nukes. Yes, but he is not going off of how we're looking at it in like the firing mechanisms. He's going off of it based on detonations. Mm. So what he's doing is he wants to make sure. So basically he wants to fire a Mac round and then time the Archer missiles to where they detonate 0.1 seconds after the Mac round makes contact before the shield can come back. mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And then 0.1 seconds after that, or 0.2 seconds after the Mac, that's when he wants the nuclear detonations. That makes sense. I, I and for me, I guess the thing that that for me that's like, and mind you, this is fake. This is a fictional account. I'm like, the timing has to be impeccable. And even then, you know how many things can go wrong with that? Like the missiles could like not on target, or they'll detonate too early. Like there's so many variables. But then again, this the man's book is called The Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> the improbable life because yeah. <laughs> I'm like numbers wise I'm like there's no way all this shit is going to land one after another perfectly but continue <laughs> well if it was just his ship maybe not but don't forget that's 37 that's true we we are yeah we have 33 bastards who are listening to him oh yeah 33 so you know what I mean like you start bolstering those odds now, obviously, this is a lot of data to comprehend because I had to re- explain it three times. You know what yeah. I mean? And we can, and we're looking at it. So, but Sekhmet is immediately like uh, understood, just immediately understands what he wants and he goes threading multiple processes and cross-checking matrices. 
between the fleet AIs working, meaning she is taking that data, not only finding the way to make all those detonations happen in the order that he wants them, but also then getting the other AIs on the ship onto the same board and then plotting them so that way all of the rounds are going to a singular target in exactly the same fashion at exactly the same time. So obviously this is a lot of raw data that needs to be put into. Well, if there's anybody that's a professional raw dogger, it's Cole. So <laughs> Yeah. Um while this is happening, there is enough time for Cole to kind of bring his hands up to his face, and it is unknown at this point if he was contemplating or prayer or praying. We don't know. That man don't pray. <laughs> he was contemplating. Like, mm, I could have done this instead. That's what he was thinking. He was like, I could have done this instead, but we'll see how it shakes out. He was out. critiquing himself. Exactly. He was critiquing himself <laughs> immediately. Um, he already ran that situation in his head 84 times, <laughs> found the, the 87th time would have been the time it worked, but One man pulled the doctor strange without the eye Akimoto. <laughs> so he then, uh, as soon as like that's done, segment comes back on comms and goes firing solutions are acquired and Cole tells her to input the solutions and then put basically lock all of the controls to the Everest, meaning his ship is going to be the ship that controls all the other ships firing mechanisms, i.e. that very specific salvo that he wants launched will be off his command and not left to the whim of the other people on the other ships who could make errors. <laughs> like, Yo. Basically, no, 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 no. We all shoot when I shoot. <laughs> like, my man's like, yeah, I ain't playing bitch and backing out. <laughs> That's what it was. He's like, yeah, I'm not backing yes. out of this. <laughs> now that the in the solutions are input, right, the only question left is now we know the way they're going to be fired. We know where they're going to be fired, and we know how they're going to be fired. The only thing we don't know is how many are going to be fired. And at that point, the chief weapons officer looks up and asks, how many are the archers and how many of the Shivas? And then Cole turned to him and the phrase they say, I'm actually going to read it. Cole glared at the man like he was crazy. All of them, Lieutenant. <laughs> like, like Cole looked at him like, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> Obviously, I want everything we have. I want nothing left in the reserves. I don't want to hold one. I want all of them. <laughs> Yo, and to, and to be fair, outside looking in, I know a normal person would be like, Cole is crazy, but it's the opposite. We just saw what a calculated salvo would do to do to the ship. So I'm 100% mm -hmm. you shoot everything we got. And then if, you know, if it fails, I can't say we didn't try. <laughs> now, the thing that bear in mind in this is when he wants everything, there is no second chance after this. Mm -hmm. This is this is the ultimate. I'm not going to say a Hail Mary because there's very little because it was very calculated. Um, but essentially, it's a Hail yeah, Mary. Yeah, dog. It's, it, <laughs> like, it's, he, you know, it is a Hail Mary. He's like, I hope this works. <laughs> um, so he gets the report that like, hey, we're locked and roaded. Everything ready to go. Bearing in mind, this all takes mat like place in a matter of seconds. Like, it is taking longer for me to describe it than it is a crew. Yeah, pretend this is D&D &D time. D&D. <laughs> &D. Yeah. yeah. We, this is very D&D. &D. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh, he gets notified. The solutions are locked. Go I was going to be like, yeah, context for non-D&D &D players. It's like, what, a turn is like a, a second? 
Sort of. Like I can't remember how it all. Well, works. it's like think of it five seconds. It's like all. six. Seconds. Yeah, like six seconds. Well, you know, just for the for the non-players, you know, for the non-players, for the NPCs. <laughs> he gets the notice and he puts his hands behind his back and laces his fingers together as he watches on his board all the ships accelerate around the curve of harvest. And while they're doing that, they see the sun blaze across the view screens of the ship. Mm. Mm, how poetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Waiting for them too was the Covenant ship. And all they saw was plasma lines heating and flaring through space, not shooting where they are, but shooting where they're gonna be. Which bruh. <laughs> like, so not only are you coming through space kind of like sideways because you're going through a, like a slingshot around a planet, but you're also being blinded by the sun. And what you don't see from the sun is just streaks of green directly in front of you that you just watched obliterate seven other ships. And my man said, we going full speed. <laughs> my man dead ass turns to him as all this is going on and says, prepare to launch missiles. <laughs> oh, baby. Um, and then he says to release all the targeting and all the fire control of the max to Sekhmet. So right now, Sekhmet is in charge of every single weapon system, every single rocket, every single nuke on every single fucking ship. Bro, I'd feel like that captain meme where he's like wiping his brow. He's got to hit a button. <laughs> and as the, as the plasma started coming towards him. He then says, initiate the firing, se- uh, firing sequence. Now, <laughs> what immediately happens as soon as he initiates the firing uh, sequence is the entirety of the Everest fucking begins to violently shake. Because this man just launched everything all at once. So it actually makes the fucking ship itself while flying through space rumble. Yo, imagine being like the asshole who has to load all these things. <laughs> right? Can you even still be in the bay? Do you gotta like completely like I gotta go? <laughs> Man, I don't know. But then again, like if they're in the bay, they're not seeing what he's seeing. You know what I mean? They don't know how much danger they're in, per se. Well, I mean, I feel like if if my boss was like, Hey, you know every bullet we have? Yeah. Use all of them. Oh, that's, that's not a that's say again. That's not a confidence thing. I'm like, he wants me to use all of it. Like, this is all or nothing. Where are we exactly, sir? <laughs> Fucking Fallujah. Um, now, once those get fired and the and everything kind of you know shakes free, um, immediately the plasma that was coming towards them does hit two of the ships and immediately the Constantinople and the Troy. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, just those two shits get obliterated. And then the prow of the Lawrence also gets obliterated. Damn. So just the front end. Huh? Now, <laughs> when their ships are all getting fucked, there is more than 1000 missiles crisscrossing. <laughs> 
towards the singular target that is the enemy ship. And immediately behind them were the bigger fucking missiles, the Shivas. This doesn't quite quell the force, though, because as that's happening and as all the missiles are flying through space, because, you know, it's not instantaneous, there is travel time. While that is happening, more explosions came from around the ship and destroyed the Maelstrom, the Waterloo, and the Excellence. Which, can we just talk about Halo's ship names? Like, Halo has the best ship names. (laughs) Like, the Maelstrom, the Waterloo, and the Excellence. I would fly in a fleet of those. Like, those sound like baller ships. (laughs) You know what I mean? I would would argue the Excellence is a Covenant ship and defect. (laughs) We're just going to play it cool, man. (laughs) It's kind of like, it's kind of like for some reason the news always gives serial killers cool fucking names. Okay, you know, now we're definitely going on this side quest because you brought it up, and this is completely your fault. Why is it we can name serial killers cool names, but we can't fucking name a hurricane something horrifying to make people... The Susan? (sighs) (laughs) Susan, Meanwhile, we got, like, the Night Stalker, (laughs) the Hillside Strangler, you know what I mean? (laughs) The Zodiac Killer, they always get baller fucking names. Like, I feel bad. Like, those two guys probably work in the same office. There's, like, the serial killer naming guy, most popular guy in the office, banging anybody that walks in, gets invited everywhere, coffee's made, all this stuff. And then you have the hurricane guy. Family man, family life's okay. Found out serial killer man's banging his wife. So, you know, he's just here. I just... Why? Why? I just want to. I just want a hurricane to be named Death Machine once. That just well, once. it's actually because there was actually a story I read about that and why it is, and it's because um, the sea is a woman, and all this the hurricane started being named way, way, way fucking long ago, and they were always named after women in respect to the sea. Ladies. <laughs> I need I need y'all to fix I need women to fix this. No, this 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 is me empowering women. Y'all, y'all get a we bad need, rep for this, right? Y'all should y'all fight should the hurricanes. Fight and the reason Go out there. Y'all should <laughs> start fight the fisticuffs <laughs> with the hurricanes. This is a battle only the women can win. <laughs> you are our Preston Cole. Right, and on top of that <laughs> I want I want to see women in droves stabbing the ocean. <laughs> But, like, also, women have, like, this great encyclopedia in their heads of serial killers. Like, all they do is listen to serial killers. You know, that's something I want to bring up real quick. Because there is something I fucking hate. And (laughs) since we're on this subject, I am baffled. I am shook. I am upsetty spaghetti at the fact that I can be, say... Say I'm in my in my kitchen washing dishes. Somebody kicks down my door and immediately fucking bashes my brains in all against the walls with a fucking cleaver. <laughs> and then after, I don't know why I'm laughing. While that while <laughs> that's down. happening, so he, he is like tearing my intestines out, and then he hangs them up around my house as a Christmas as like a Christmas ornament, right? And then ten years later, two middle aged white women are gonna come up and go. Hello, my goofy, silly murder hobo wobos. 
We got a fascinating, scary, spooky story for you. But first, be sure to like and subscribe and a word from our sponsor. <laughs> so you, so your wife also watches Bailey Sarian as well is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But the fact that that's not what I was referencing and that was another one goes to prove my point of how much I fucking hate it. Is so disingenuous and so fucking like gross to well, me. Well, <laughs> like, well, to be fair, the creators, man, a, a lot of them do do a good job of um, bringing attention to causes. Um, I, I will say with the with the the YouTuber in question, I just brought up. She does a good job of actually going through it, like going through the murders and trying to provide as much detail, as well as it's like spun off on her, like talking about like dirty companies, like. Nestle, and like, mind you, there are people who like really get into it, and it's just more like, I'm not just gonna memorize a story. They do a good job of like trying, she does a good job trying to humanize like the victims and all that, but nah, man, I mean, there's a market for it. There's a market for it. At the end of the day, women want to murder us. Yes. But um no, it's more the more the tone I took with it. Oh, the verbiage than I anything mean, else. dude, at the end of the day, <laughs> let's let's be real, right? It it's and I'm I'm not. It's not a woman thing, right? There are people, and you you know this better than anybody, especially you know your your recruiting background. People absorb information in different ways, right? Some people want to watch hear about a murder, but they like it a little bit watered down. Some people like straight facts. And then you have people who will watch or look up videos and Lord knows what you'll find on the internet nowadays. So it's kind of like pick your poison. Yes. But anyway, yeah, that upsets yeah. me. But the main point, <laughs> ladies, get your fucking spears and pitchforks and start fighting hurricanes. Yes. Bring that same energy <laughs> to hurricanes. I just want them to take it back. Just take it back. <laughs> Just take the ocean back from who? Who owns the ocean? The hurricanes, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. Fight the, fight the ocean, Arky. Oh, we're getting canceled. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> oh, Keep it man. all in this in. This we, is great. This, this all came from the Maelstrom, the Waterloo, and the Excellence, by the way. Anywho. <laughs> this man doesn't even know where to pick up. I lost my spot. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> we got him. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it also did the math for me of how many ships are left, so that way I didn't even have to do better. it. So the remaining ships of Battlegroup X-Ray then all fired their MAC cannons at the same time. So it's 27 simultaneous like streaks of lightning that went through space and hit the Covenant vessel. The alien ship blurred behind its shields, opaque for a split second. The archer warheads hit, splashing fire and fury across the curve of her flank. And then dozens of new suns ignited, a corona of man-made nuclear violence. It was a cloud of destruction that writhed and contorted and clawed at the enemy ship for a full three seconds as the UNSC group continued at flank speed towards their target. Whoever wrote that... <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm pretty sure it was Eric uh, Nyland. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's so good. It is so fucking good. Um, like, I, ne I couldn't ever, ever do that. That's, it's beautiful. Yeah. While that's John, happening. That's John Bolton's <laughs> wet dream, by the way. <laughs> um, a commander asks, uh, 
because you know they're still coming up at the ship <laughs> like you know at full fucking speed and uh the commander kind of looks at cole and goes uh are we gonna alter our course sir and he goes remain on target <laughs> that's it oh and oh then, god <laughs> this man is not playing chicken yes. either <laughs> nope while that's happening in a whisper no one else could hear him but he says fix bayonets oh yo my man said we yo he, <laughs> yo he's he, yo i i can't even say the words my man wants to go fisticuffs <laughs> my my man is like we killing your ass even if it kills us bro fi, yo 50 cent must be like playing on the bridge <laughs> So they are still hur- like hurtling towards the ship. And as they're doing that, an inferno starts boiling out of the enemy ship. And then that's when the stern of the enemy ship starts to become deformed and it blasted outward as the interior shuddered and imploded and injected double cones of blue, white, hot plasma. In other words, they won. The bridge immediately goes into fucking wild cheers, and that's when Cole says course correction <laughs> and pulls them off of a fucking direct beeline into this enemy ship. Bro. But I, for the record, just want to say that Cole was so dedicated to winning because he's a man of commitment that he was going to fucking crash his own ship <laughs> into the other ship to win. And only pulled off when he saw that the other ship was, like, exploding. <laughs> God. Yo, you you understand how crazy you have to be to be like, I'm going to massacre everybody on this ship if that's what it takes for me to win. Mm-hmm. So pretty much, and, and I believe you'll get this reference, Cole Preston is the Dan Evans of, of Halo. You're like, who was Dan Evans? But, oh, no, I was just going to get into the <laughs> oh, next <yes>. part. <laughs> so Cole uh, then like splits the fleet and he orders them all to look for survivors. And while he's doing that, he takes a breath and then he turns to a different tactical board. He touches an icon and on that icon, all the ships, as well as all the thousands of people that were lost in the battle, start go- scrolling across the stream screen. And that is technically they call it the second battle of harvest is what it's Mm -hmm. called. If you look for it canonically, however, that's the third battle of harvest because you have the first one with um, Sergeant Johnson. And then you have the second skirmish that happened with the her. And this is the third one. However, if you go into looking on the story as, as on your own, this is considered the second battle for harvest. Yeah. We then, and, oh no that's it for that um we then move on to the next big operation that comes out of preston cole and then after that we have our closing with kind of like the what cole's going to be up to while we're doing the other stories so cole immediately following this um obviously the unsc heralds him as a hero and the first thing that he does is he generates three new general orders um, that will later be called the Cole Protocols. 
And what that means is there are three steps to it. Step one is all UNSC and civilian ships that come into contact with alien assets must have a NAV computer network and AI erased or destroyed, if necessary, destroyed, to prevent capture of core world locations. Which means if you see an enemy ship, not even if you make contact with it, or no, if you do make contact with it, i.e. you get into sight of it because the Covenant are fucking tech-savvy as fuck, um, you immediately have to wipe your nav computer, meaning no more map for you, as well as either erase or destroy your AI, so that way the Covenant can't ever find Earth or any of the other core colonies. The second step is all human vessels fleeing alien forces must do so on randomly generated vectors away from UNSC core worlds. This becomes super fucking important later on in our story. <laughs> yeah, it'll make a lot of sense. Because boy, so remember, somebody breaks that fucking rule. <laughs> um, not only that, but if if it wasn't for the second one, there would be no Halo story. Think about Combat Evolved at the very. Oh beginning. no 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 no! I'm, I'm trust we're we're gonna tickle that one in a little bit. Yeah. So that's why I'm like I'm just gonna yeah. leave it alone now. But we'll we'll reference. We'll it. get there. And then uh, the third one, Oni Section Two, is to begin slip space atten- attenuation broadcasts of pre-recorded human carrier sig- signals from antiquity to prevent triangulation of Earth. Which means they're gonna find old satellites and ship and ships that are still broadcasting all those satellites that we've been launching into space and shit. And they're going to tune their broadcasts to no longer say where Earth is. If that makes sense. Like, no more of the, hey, come... Because we did send a couple satellites out that literally tell where to find us, as well as have, like, parts of our culture in them. Uh, yeah, what if they were, like, flying by and they <laughs> they found uh, the fucking rover on Mars? <laughs> They'd be able to tri- triangulate where Earth is from there? It's weird. Cole brings that up. Are you fucking... Do- okay, I do want to clarify. This is me talking out my ass. <laughs> this was not planned. <laughs> Well, that's one of the questions. So all of this comes from a letter that now this is still within the book, but the specific part of the book, this is in a letter that Cole is sending to Admiral Harold Stanforth. And he does pose the same question that you have. And the thing that he poses is that he does not understand why the aliens don't know where Earth is. Because because they have technologies that are 100 more mm-hmm. years advanced to Earth. So obviously... Um, they should know where Earth is, or at least be able to like triangulate where the fuck it is. And this leads him to suspect that something is occurring within the Covenant hierarchy that has prevented Earth from being targeted or even perhaps appreciated. We'll also go into that when we do our big old Covenant story, because boy... Mm-hmm. The Covenant one's going to be gonna be. There's wild. a whole lot of shit going on right now. <laughs> Now, second, it should be noted that Cole managed to capture one of the aliens from the enemy sheep, enemy ship. I mix fleet and ship together. I meant ship. sheep, um, the enemy sheep. <laughs> one of the enemy sheeps. So he captures one of the, it happens to be an elite. And I'm just going to read his thing directly because there's a lot of this that is just better said directly. And the quote is, third, I need solid intelligence on the enemy. Do they seem to see us as some kind of religious aggressor following some hit herto unknown ritual that accounts for them destroying our outer colonies before Earth or another possibly an anamorphic gulf 
that we have so many inhabited worlds, some of the most powerful military economically than Earth. What if they're not interested in our home world strategically, but rather for some other unknown reason? Yeah, no, it keeps going on. Um, I can fight them, Harold, but only so effectively without knowing why they hate us. I keep thinking of Sun Tzu. If you know your enemy and know yourself, you will not be imperiled in a hundred battles. If you do not know your enemies, but do know yourself, you will win one and lose one. If you do not know your enemies, nor yourself, you will be imperiled in every single battle. Which eventually I have to read The Art of War because it's referenced all the time in regards to fucking uh, Cole. I, I don't know why I'm like speechless right now. I don't know why I'm like, uh, I can't say words. <laughs> words hurt. That's a lot, man. That is mm. that is a lot. Um, but yeah, that kind of sums up the second battle of harvest, as it's called, <laughs> even though I wouldn't call it that. And Real quick, I'm just going to go through kind of what to expect from Cole in the future. So, because the next time we pick him up, I want to say he's in well, 43. Yeah, because what essentially, and not to get too much detail, he like does this for like five years, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to get into without giving too much away. Um, Cole does go on to kind of be the boogeyman of, uh, well, the space boogeyman, I guess, because... You know, there's more than one battle front. He's essentially the naval boogeyman. The the best for yeah. uh, the covenant. And y'all for John, and this isn't like a huge a huge spoiler. For for John, once he establishes himself after combat evolved, he's referred to as like the demon. So it only mm-hmm. makes sense that Cole is the demon equivalent of the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm not gonna give away how many battles happen. Um at this point, because I'm going to bring it up the next time we bring Cole up, but he only pulls out of two battles between now and the next time we talk about him. And when he does pull out of those battles, um, he comes back with reinforcements. So essentially, he finds an enemy armada or something that he knows he can't win. So he evades them entirely and then comes back to where they last were and fucks their shit up. And he does this all the time. He does this on the reg. However, there is something that I'm going to bring up now for the next time. And um, I'll just read it directly. CENTCOM would, could not allow their symbol to fail, so they kept reinforcing Cole with new ships and crews and kept their fingers crossed that he wouldn't snap from the strain. Imagine fighting Stalingrad and Cold Harbor and defending the hot gates with 300 Spartans and repelling the Mexican army at the Alamo and then having to repeat those lopsided impossible fights over and over. Certainly Cole knew that this, that the first time he faced the covenant super destroyer harvest, his unheard remark on the bridge of the Everest fixed bayonets is a reference to Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain's famous charge down little round top at the battle of Gettysburg. Chamberlain had orders to defend the far left end of the union line and had repelled numerous assaults upon his position when the 15th Alabama Regiment charged up the hill towards Chamberlain's exhausted and low on ammunition 20th Maine Regiment. Instead of falling back, Chamberlain ordered his men to fix bayonets and charge down the hill. 
that moment is considered to be to have saved the line, the Union Army at Gettysburg, and perhaps determined the entire outcome of the First American Civil War. Likewise, Cole knew he had to win no matter the cost of his ships or lives or even to his sanity, because if he failed, the enemy would destroy entire worlds. Millions and billions of lives were his sole responsibility. So, yeah. <laughs> Once again, it's just one of the way he wrote this is so fucking phenomenal that I, I you have to read it directly because it's so elegant. So elegant, he says. So, so elegant. But yeah, and that kind of ties up the story of Cole for this episode. Oh, man. What what can the kids expect next week, Brandon? I actually haven't plotted next week at all. It's going to be just as much of a surprise for me as it Ooh, is for you. Oh, man. We'll take a we'll take a look in the timeline. I'm pretty sure we're I think next week is officially when John meets Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's mm-hmm. up next. And then it should be the episode after that is when we uh Mendez has his next outing. Oh yeah, that's right. Yo, we are almost to reach. We are almost there. We are almost to reach. Man, well, we're so once we close. once we get on reach, oh, we're going balls to the wall, man. Man, you're in a whole new fucking world. <laughs> yeah, you don't understand. I get to finally tell my girlfriend I have to play this game for work. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited for that moment. Oh, but yeah, that kind of sums up for this episode. So this episode, we went through the second battle of Harvest. We caught up with Preston Cole, who's one of our favorites. He will come back. Do not worry. Um, What's up, buddy? Really? You got a lot to say about that. Excuse me. We're taking a quick dad break. (laughs) (laughs) Is that so silly? Oh, I believe you. But I tell you what. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Ken Dog, take these nice people home. Ladies and gentlemen. See ya. <laughs> Later, y'all. Thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher uh, to stay up to date on all things lore. Also, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to leave feedback and make suggestions on what series to do next. You Me and Lore is an original podcast written and produced by Brandon Weiner and Kenny Gomez. 
We do not own the rights to any of the artistry. All rights are owned by their respective companies. Sound and editing by Kenny Gomez and Brandon Weiner. Intro composed and played by Achilles Amistad. Transitions and outro composed and played by Sam Gibbs. Both can be found on Fiverr.com. For inquiries, information, and feedback, please visit You, Me, and Lore on Facebook or email us directly at youmeandlore at gmail. Bye-bye.